Greetings, welcome to 365 Reading for today, for January 27th. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord God, for allowing us to be in a healthy state to receive your word, Lord. Thank you for healing us, establishing us, and producing us as your product, Lord, your workmanship, with your hand upon us, Lord. Thank you for molding us in the way that you should have us, Lord. And we give ourselves to you willingly. I turn ourselves over to you. Into your hands, Jesus, that you may fix us, Jesus. Fix our minds, our hearts, our lives, our physical fitness, Lord. Our, and that we may not be a problem again, Lord. That it may not be a problem. Thank you, Lord, for the supply of fixing us. Yea, the supply may not be here yet, but it will come. If we should have it, it will surely come. Amen and amen. Thank you, family, for coming in. Today's January 27. I'm going to give you a, a better, clearer reading. Uh, and I'm going to see if I can add this, this dialogue between Moses and God, which I think is really comical. I'm going to read it in the Message Bible after this. Amen. Just for fun. Okay? Here we go. Exodus chapter 4, verses, uh, verse 1 through 5, 21. But Moses protest, protested again. What if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say, the Lord never appeared to you? Then the Lord asked him, what is it that What's that in your hand? A shepherd's staff, Moses replied. Throw it down on the ground, the Lord told him. So Moses threw the down the staff, and it turned into a small snake. Moses jumped back. Then the Lord told him, reach out and grab its tail. So Moses reached out and grabbed it and turned it back into a shepherd's staff in his hand. Perform the sign, the Lord told him. Then they will believe that the Lord, the God of their ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob really has appeared to you. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand inside his cloak. And when he took it out again, his hand was white as snow with a severe skin disease. Now put your hand back into your cloak, the Lord said. So Moses put his hand back in, and when he took it out again, it was as healthy as the rest of his body. The Lord said to Moses, If they do not believe you and are not convinced by the first miracle sign, miraculous sign, they will be convinced by the second sign. And if they don't believe you or listen to you even after these two signs, then take some water from the Nile River and pour it out on the dry ground. When you do, the water from the Nile will turn to blood on the ground. But Moses pleaded with the Lord, O Lord, I am not very good with words. I never have been, and I'm not now, even though you have spoken to me. I get tongue-tied, and my words get tangled. Then the Lord said to Moses, <clears throat> Who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak? Hear or do not hear, see or do not see. <clears throat> Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will 
be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what you say. But Moses again pleaded, Lord, please send, send anyone else. Then the Lord became angry with Moses. All right, he said, what about your brother, Aaron the Levite? I know he speaks well, and look, he's on his way to meet you now. He will be delighted to see you. Talk to him and put the words in his mouth. I will be with both of you as you speak, and I will instruct you both in what you to do. Aaron will be your spokesman to the people. He will be your mouthpiece, and you will stand in the place of God for him. Tell him what to say, and take your shepherd's staff with you, and use it to perform the miraculous signs I have sworn to you. So Moses went back to Jethro, his father-in-law. Please let me return to my relatives in Egypt. Moses said, I don't even know if they're still alive. Go in peace, Jethro replied. Before Moses left Midian, the Lord said to him, Return to Egypt for all of those who wanted to kill you have died. So Moses took his wife and sons, put them on a donkey, and headed back to the land of Egypt. In his hands he carried the staff of God. And the Lord told Moses, When you arrive back in Egypt, go to Pharaoh and perform the miracles I have empowered you to do. But I will harden his heart so he will refuse to let the people go. Then you will tell him, this is what the Lord says. Israel is my firstborn son. I command you, let my son go so he can worship me. But since you have refused, I will now kill your firstborn son. Ooh. On the way to Egypt, at a place where Moses and his family had stopped for the night, the Lord confronted him and was about to kill him. But Moses' wife, Zipporah, took a flint knife and circumcised her son. She touched his feet with the foreskin and said, Now you are a bridegroom of blood to me. When she said a bridegroom of blood, she was referring to the circumcision. After that, the Lord left him alone. Then the Lord has said to Aaron, Go out into the wilderness and meet Moses. So Aaron went and met Moses at the mountains of God, and he embraced him. Moses then told Aaron everything the Lord had commanded him to say. And he told him about the miraculous sign the Lord had commanded him to perform. Then Moses and Aaron returned to Egypt and called all the elders of Israel together. Aaron told them everything the Lord had told Moses, and Moses performed the miraculous signs as they watched. Then the people of Israel were convinced that the Lord had sent Moses and Aaron. When they heard that the Lord was concerned about them and had seen their misery, they bowed down and worshipped. After this presentation to Israel's leaders, Moses and Aaron went and spoke to Pharaoh. They told him, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Let my people go so they may have a festival in my honor in the wilderness. Is that so? 
retorted Pharaoh. And who is the Lord? Why should I listen to him and let Israel go? I don't know the Lord, and I will not let Israel go. But Aaron and Moses persisted. The God of the Hebrews has met with us, they declared. So let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness so we can offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. If we don't, he will kill us with a plague or with a sword. Pharaoh replied, Moses and Aaron, why are you distracting the people from their task? Get back to work. Look, there are many of your people in the land, and you are stopping them from their work. That same day, Pharaoh sent this order to the Egyptian slave drivers and the Israelite foremen. Do not supply any more straw for making bricks. Make the people get it themselves, but still require them to make the same number of bricks as before. Don't reduce the quota. They are lazy. That's why they are crying out. Let us go and offer sacrifices to God. Load them down with more work. Make them sweat. That will teach them to listen to lies. So the slave drivers and the foremen went out and told the people, This is what Pharaoh says. I will not provide any more straw for you. Go and get it yourself. Find it wherever you can. But you must produce just as many bricks as before. So the people scattered throughout the land of Egypt in search of stubble to use as straw. Meanwhile, the Egyptian slave drivers continued to push hard. Make your daily quota of bricks, just as you did when we provided you with straw, they demanded. Then they whipped the Israelite foremen they had put in charge of the work crews. Why haven't you met your quotas either yesterday or today, they demanded. So the Israelite foreman went to Pharaoh and pleaded with him. Please, please don't treat your servants like this, they begged. We are given no straw, but the slave drivers still demand. Make bricks. We are being beaten, but it isn't our fault. Your own people are to blame. But Pharaoh shouted, You're just lazy, lazy. That's why you're saying, let us go and offer sacrifices to the Lord. Now get back to work. No straw will be given to you, but you must still produce the full quota of bricks. The Israelite foreman could see they were in serious trouble when they were told, you must not reduce the number of bricks you make each day. As they left Pharaoh court, they confronted Moses and Aaron who were waiting outside for them. The foreman said to them, may the Lord judge and punish you for making us stink before Pharaoh and his officials. You have put a sword into their hands, an excuse to kill us. Okay. Um, Matthew. Matthew. Matthew chapter 18, verse 1 to 20. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus called a little child to him and put the child among them. Then he said, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, 
you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf is welcoming me. But if you cause one of these little ones who trust in me to fall into sin, it would be better for you to have a large millstone tied around your neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. What sorrow awaits the world because it tempts people to sin? Temptations are inevitable, but what sorrow awaits the person who does the tempting? So if your hand or foot causes you to, to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better to enter eternal life with only one hand or one foot than to be thrown into eternal fire with both of your hands and feet. And if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better to enter eternal life with only one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the fire of hell. Beware that you don't look down on any of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven, their angels are always in the presence of my heaven. Their angels are always in the presence of my heavenly Father. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, what will he do? Won't he leave the ninety-nine others on the hills and go out to search for the one that's lost? And he finds it, I tell you the truth, he will rejoice over it more than over the ninety-nine that didn't wander away. In the same way, it's not my Heavenly Father's will that even one of these little ones should perish. If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense if the other person listens and confesses it. You have won that person back. But if you are unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. If the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. Then if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat the person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. I tell you the truth, whether you forbid what you forbid on the earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. I also tell you, if two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. For where two or three gather together as my followers... I am there among them. Amen. Um, pray that the Lord's glory would be acknowledged and honored by people all over the world and throughout all generation in Psalm 22, 19 to 31. O Lord, do not stay far away. You are my strength. Come quickly to my aid. Save me from the sword. Spare my precious life from these 
dogs snatch me from the lion's jaws and from the horns of these wild oxen. I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I will praise you among, among your assembled people. Praise the Lord, all you who fear him. Honor him, all you descendants of Jacob. Show him reverence, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not ignored or belittled the suffering of the needy. He has not turned his back on them, but has listened to their cries for help. I will praise you in the great assembly. I will fulfill my vows in the presence of those who worship you. The poor will eat and be satisfied. All who seek the Lord will praise him. Their hearts will rejoice with everlasting joy. The whole earth will acknowledge the Lord and return to him. All the families of the nations will bow down before him. For royal power belongs to the Lord. He rules all the nations. Let the rich of the earth feast and worship. Bow before him all who are mortal. All, who, all whose lives will end as dust. Our children will also serve him. Future generations will hear about the wonders of the Lord. His righteous acts will be told to those not yet born. They will hear about everything he has done. Amen. Amen. And in Proverbs 5, 15 to 21 says, Drink water from your own well. Share your love only with your wife. Why spill the water of your springs in the streets? Having sex with just anyone. You should reserve it for yourselves. Never share it with strangers. Let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. She's a loving deer, a graceful doe. Let her breast satisfy you always. May you always be captivated by her love. Why be captivated, my son, by an immoral woman or fondle the breast of a promiscuous woman? For the Lord sees clearly what a man does, examining every path he takes. Amen. Let me uh, read uh, today's study. Matthew 18, 15, and 17 says, Jesus lays out clear guidance for dealing with fellow believers who sin against us. These guidelines were meant for Christians, not unbelievers. They address sins committed against you and not others. The conflict that occurs is to be resolved in the context of the church, not the community at large. Jesus' words do not give us the freedom to attack any person who hurts us or insults us. They are not a license to gossip or call for church intervention. They are designed to reconcile believers who disagree so that the church can live in harmony. When someone harms us, our impulse to do is the opposite of what Jesus recommends here. We are tempted to turn away in hatred or resentment, seek revenge or engage in gossip. But contrary, we should go directly. 
to that person first, as difficult as that may be, then we should forgive that person as often as he has our need, Matthew 18, 21-22. This will create a much better chance of restoring the relationship and living together in peace. This is the chance to see the kingdom breaking through. Amen. You know, some of these things are just amazing that, uh, you know, we've got to keep a check in our hearts and be thanking God ahead of time that dealing with people, your heart's going to break. Dealing with people, you know, things will happen. People are people. And we say the wrong thing. They say the wrong thing. So the best antidote, again, is thank you, God, for the people just the way they are. Mm-hmm. Praising, an attitude of praise and worship. Amen. What you get? Um, from which one? For 19. I, I also tell you this. If two of you agree mm-hmm. before on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. For whether two or three are gathered together, my fellow, I am there among them. That's awesome. Great scripture. So he's here through the Holy Spirit and he's listened to us. And if we both agree, that's why it's more important that we start praying a little more with each other mm-hmm. in agreement. Amen. Yeah. The One of the things that I wasn't that I didn't understand was if you go to 10 he talks about well it says who who is greatest in the kingdom of heaven in, in the beginning and he basically said I tell you the truth unless you turn from your sins and become like little children you will never get into the kingdom of heaven so anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven um, so, why am I reading that? Oh, because later on it talks about, you know, what what sorrow awaits the world because it tempts people to sin, temptation, temptations are inevitable, but what sorrow awaits the person who does the tempting. But it talks about if your hand or your foot causes you to stumble or causes you to sin, cut it off and so forth. But it says, if you, it's better to enter, okay, beware that you don't look down on any of these little ones. See, I'm kind of like trying to connect. He talks about you got to be as humble as little children by turning away from your sins. Um, and, and the temptations, but if your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away, it's better to enter eternal life with only one hand and, or one foot than to be thrown into eternal fire. Um, so, but it goes on to say, so I'm kind of trying to make the connection, like he's speaking of sin, like stop doing it, you know, don't cut your hand off literally, don't pluck your eye out literally or whatever, but stop doing it because it's better to have eternal life than to go into the lake of fire. Okay. Um, the fire of hell. Okay. But then it says, Beware that you don't look 
down on any of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven, their angels are always in the presence of my heavenly Father. So I'm trying to understand how he's explaining this because it doesn't really, I'm not understanding it. Well, did you read 5 and 6? And if anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf is welcoming me, but if you cause one of these little ones who trusts in me to fall into sin, it would be better for you to have a large millstone tied around your neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. So I'm not... I, I, this is... I'm sure... I'm not sure. It talks about the little, the little children are the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. But it says, you got to turn from your sins and become like little children. Humble yourself, you know, accept the Lord, you know, invite him to your heart. But then it goes on and talking about all these temptations. If you tempt somebody and you, you cause a, a, one of these little ones to stumble. Um... Well, it just seems to me I could be wrong that the, um... I mean, it's talking about repenting and turning your eyes towards God, but, you know, because then it goes on to say it's better to have the one saved than the 99 who are right. So... I don't know if that's connected, but about the children is, you know, it's to drop your pride, you know, or your law and, you know, start teaching correctly. Mm. You know, don't, oh. don't become, if you, you can use your spirit power to continue to teach law. Mm. You know, born again, there's a lot of born again people that are teaching law. You know, and they're, they're causing little children to stumble. You know, other believers to go wrong mm -hmm. because of their teachings. Mm -hmm. uh, anyone who trusts in me to fall into sin, it would be better for you to have a large millstone. I guess they, they always say that the teacher is going to have a greater responsibility, you know. Mm-hmm. But sorrow wastes the world because it, now it talks about the world who tempts people to sin. Temptations are inedible, but what sorrow wastes for the person who does the tempting? In other words, uh, Satan could be using you to tempt others to sin. Right mm -hmm. there. That, that's kind of clear to me. That part I understand. That one, is, know, that one is big. It's huge, you know. But it, it's kind of the same, don't sin. <laughs> you know, cut it off, stop it. That's kind of what I was getting. And don't, don't. And you remember, children don't hold grudges. Her children just believe. Mm -hmm. You know, they're easily guided. You know, because yeah. they're so uh, humble. humble. Yeah. And they're easily yeah. anybody taking advantage of them. Yeah. So that that that. That I get. I get that if you're, you know, a little kid, you know, you're like free and you're, 
you know, innocence and you're, you're open, you know, you're, So if you become humble, you're the greatest in the kingdom of God. That's the basically what it's saying here, like a little child. Very good. That's that's the nugget there. But up here it it says, Beware that you don't look down on any of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven their angels are always in the presence of my Heavenly Father. That proves that they have guardian angels. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, it says right here that Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. That's pretty good for casting out demons, because what you prophesy will happen. What you talk about, what you think about, will come about. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm going to read today Exodus 5, 1-9, uh, today's study. Sometimes hardships come as a result of obeying God. Moses and Aaron obeyed God and took their message to Pharaoh. Pharaoh responded with hard work and more oppression to the Hebrews. We often wonder why we done what we done to deserve our own hardship. Typically, we look for something we done wrong, but sometimes it's not our own sins that brings us suffering. Sometimes it is the obedience to God in a world running in opposite direction. Are you following God but still suffering or suffering even worse than before? If, you, if your life is miserable, it may not be the consequences of your own sin, but of other sins. You may be suffering for doing right in a world who's gone wrong. That tea's good. Either that tea's good or I'm tired. Oh, you're recording. <laughs> Sorry, B. You wake. Mm -hmm. It's interesting right here that the Lord told Moses what all the things that he was going to do. Mm -hmm. Especially, he says, uh, you know, it sounds like God was trying to pick a fight with with uh, Pharaoh. You know, and the mm -hmm. Lord told Moses, when you arrive back in Egypt, go to Pharaoh and perform all these miracles I have empowered you to do. But I will harden his heart so he will refuse to let the people go. Then you will tell him, this is what the Lord says. Israel is my firstborn. Amen. Thank you, Lord. 
Yeah, the part that I was like, couldn't believe that they wanted them to make bricks with no straw. That's really mean. You know, to be able to not have the tools you need to get the job done. Evil. Yeah, and they said there was about 3,000, 3,500 foremen, and they all got whipped. Thank you, God, that we weren't at that era. Yeah. Thank you, God, that we're here, born again, comfortable in our houses, and protected by the angels and God has given us so much you know he's given us the New Testament the new covenant and Jesus Christ and you know we can agree together and move mountains and yeah forbid those things that are you know forbidden in heaven forbid them down here you're speaking about that article I saw about people 48% of America are in debt they only have three weeks of savings account, you know, they mm -hmm. should, their income should stop. And um, how they don't use their faith or their prayer anymore to buy things, you know. Mm -hmm. They just use a car to go get things. They're, they they got an immune to using prayer and believing God for stuff. Mm -hmm. It's one of the reasons we have to always put everything on a piece of paper and ask God to bring things that we need or Amen. we desire in Yeah. and pray about our list and having to check off because he answers prayers. Amen. You know, even the littlest things like we need honey or we need flaxseed or you need a king size bed and you know, too, I wanted, it can't be too small or too big. It's, you know, if it's you in know, your I heart. Wanted, I wanted milk from my espresso. We didn't have as much milk before. Now milk mm -hmm. is just constant. The neighbors are bringing it. Mm -hmm. It's just showing up. Milk and honey in Glendora. Mm -hmm. Biblical. Yeah. Now we're going to ask the Lord God for lands and houses and vehicles. and mm -hmm. You know, it's the same faith. It's that same kind of faith. And it's usually so we can serve others. Lord, so that we'll be strong to serve others. That's our prayer. Yeah, and I'm amazed how bananas showed up. We had bananas, but bananas showed up today without asking. We were we went to the store looking for ripe bananas. Uh -huh. We didn't have ripe bananas. Uh -huh. And Randy brought them in the morning. That was just really... In addition to coffee and eggs. Uh -huh. and such a good man, you know, good people. Yeah. Very good. Amen. Okay, that's good. Very good. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for today's reading. We give you praise and thanksgiving for our lives, just the way they are. Amen. Amen. Message Bible for Exodus chapter 4 and 521. Moses objected. They won't trust me. They won't listen to a word I say. They're going to say, God, appear to him? Hardly. So God said, what's that in your hand? A staff. Throw it on the ground. He threw it. It became a snake. Moses jumped back fast. God said to Moses, reach out and grab it by the tail. He reached out and grabbed it. 
and he was holding his staff again. That so they will trust that God appeared to you, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. God then said, put your hand inside your shirt. He slipped his hand under his shirt, then took it out. His hand had turned leprous like snow. He said, put your hand back under your shirt. He did it. Then he took it back out as healthy as before. So if they don't trust you and aren't convinced by the first sign, the second sign should do it. But if it doesn't, if even after these two signs, they don't trust you and listen to your message, take some water out of the Nile and pour it out on the dry land. The Nile water that you pour out will turn to blood when it hits the ground. Moses raised another objection to God. Master, please, I don't talk well. I've never been good with words, neither before nor after you spoke to me. <laughs> I utter stammer. God said, and who do you think made the human mouth? And who makes some mute, some deaf, some sighted, some blind? Isn't I God? So get going. I'll be right there with you, with your mouth. I'll be right there to teach you what to say. He said, oh, 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 master, please send someone else. God got angry with Moses. Don't you have a brother, Aaron, the Levite? He's good with words. I know he is. He speaks very well. In fact, at this very moment, he's on his way to meet you. When he sees you, he's going to be glad. You'll speak to him and tell him what to say. I'll be right there with you as you speak and with him as he speaks teaching you step by step. He will speak to the people for you. He'll act as your mouth, but you'll decide what comes out of it. Now take this stuff in your hand. You'll use it to do the signs. Then Moses went back to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said, I need to return to my relatives who are in Egypt. I want to see if they're still alive. Jethro said, go in peace, and peace be with you. God said to Moses and Midian, go return to Egypt. All the men who wanted to kill you are dead. So Moses took his wife and sons, put them on a donkey for the return trip to Egypt. He had a firm grip on the staff of God. God said to Moses, when you get back to Egypt, be prepared. All the wonders that I will go do through you, you'll do before Pharaoh, but I will make him stubborn so that he will refuse to let the people go. Then you are to tell Pharaoh God's message. Israel is my son, my firstborn. I told you, free my son so that he can serve me. But if you refuse to free him, so now I'm going to kill your son, your firstborn. On the journey back, as they camped for the night, God met Moses and would have killed him, but Zipporah took a flint knife and cut off her son's foreskin and touched Moses' member with it. She said, Oh, you're a bridegroom of blood to me. Then God let him go. 
She used the phrase bridegroom of blood because of the circumcision. God spoke to Aaron, go and meet Moses in the wilderness. He went and met him at the mountains of God and kissed him. Moses told Aaron the message that God had sent him to speak and the wonders he had commanded him to do. So Moses and Aaron proceeded to round up all the leaders of Israel. Aaron told them everything that God had told Moses and demonstrated the wonders before the people. And the people trusted and listened believingly that God was concerned with what was going on with the Israelites and knew all about their affliction. They bowed low and they worshiped. After that, Moses and Aaron approached Pharaoh. They said, God, the God of Israel says, free my people so they can hold a festival for me in the wilderness. Pharaoh said, and who is God that I should listen to him and send Israel off? I know nothing of this so-called God and I'm certainly not going to send Israel off. They said, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness so that we can worship God lest he strikes us with either disease or death. But the king of Egypt said, Why on earth, Moses and Aaron, would you suggest the people be given a holiday? Back to work, Pharaoh went on. Look, I've got all these people freeloading, and now you want to reward them with time off? Pharaoh took immediate action. He sent down orders to the slave drivers and their underlings. Don't provide straw for the people for making bricks as you have been doing. Make them get their own straw and make them produce the same number of bricks. No reduction in their daily quotas. They're getting lazy. They're going around saying, give us time off so we can worship our God. Crack down on them. They'll cure them. That'll cure them of their whining, their God fantasies. The slave drivers and their underlings went out to the people with their new instructions. Pharaoh's orders, no more straw provided. Get your own straw wherever you can find it and not one brick less in your daily work quota. The people scattered all over Egypt, scrambling for straw. The slave drivers were merciless, saying, Complete your daily quota of bricks, the same number as when you were giving straw. The Israelite foremen whom the slave drivers had appointed were beaten and badgered. Why didn't you finish your quota of bricks yesterday or the day before? And now again today, the Israelite foremen came to Pharaoh and cried out for relief. Why? Why are you treating your servants like this? Nobody gives us any straw and they tell us, make bricks. Look at us. We've been beaten, and it is not our fault. Then Pharaoh said, Huh, lazy, that's what you are, lazy. That's what you, you whine. Let us go so we can worship God. Well then, go back to work. Nobody's going to give you strong, and at the end of the day, you better bring in your full quota of bricks. The Israelites foremen saw that they were in a bad way, having no having to go back and tell their workers, not one break short in your daily quota. As they left Pharaoh, they found Moses and Aaron waiting for them. The foreman said to them, may God see what you've done and judge you. 
You made us stink before Pharaoh and his servants. You put a weapon in his hand that's going to kill us. 